Well, here's a question for you. Why are you working a regular job when you're so talented? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to be talking about that. Why are you working a regular job when you're so talented? I got a real-life example of that. We're going to talk a little bit about when it may make sense to work just a regular job. Hey, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Gusto, trusted partners of ours. I'll be telling you a little bit more about them in a minute. You may may be asking, if you're a new listener, you may be asking, why 48 days? Why is this show 48 minutes? Well, this came from back in early days of working with people who wanted to go through transitions. People who said, gee, I hate my work. I hate my life. And we'd sit down and map out a plan for them to walk into a new season of life. And I'd run into them a year later and they hadn't done anything. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What is the holdup? And then I'd hear things like, well, you know, I'm waiting until uh, my son graduates from college. I'm waiting until we finish paying off the mortgage. I'm waiting until I get a promotion. And so there are all these excuses waiting. Well, the lights are never all green. And so it came out of my concern that people were just procrastinating, making decisions to move forward with new results in their lives. And this was back when 48 Hours was becoming popular as a TV show. And I thought, hey, I'll bet we could get some brand recognition if I use the 48 because it's an unusual number. It's not 30, 60, 90, 7. Some of the numbers we're really used to that are so common that don't get our attention. And so I just tried it, just having fun. I, everything I do is an experiment, but I tried 48 days to the work you love. And I immediately had people saying, you mean I really can do this in 48 days? And my response always is, yes, if you create a plan and act on it, you can change your life dramatically in 48 days. Thus, We stick with 48 days, and that's been pretty good branding for us. So the the podcast is usually about 48 minutes. We'll see where we end up today. I want to let you know about an event that we've got coming up Tuesday night, September 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, there's no cost for this, but it's going to be a 48-minute presentation on how to pursue the dream when others don't believe. I recently did this at the Free the Dream conference, and based on the response of people that I got there, I thought, ooh, I need to let our entire audience know these principles for moving forward. I have had plenty of times when family members said, nah, that can't be done, when peers of mine said, oh, you're stupid, you know, just stay here in this little town. How do you keep moving forward? Hey, join us. You just go to 48days.com slash live, L-I-V-E, for this Tuesday, September 18th webinar. Again, 48days.com slash live. Don't miss it. You're going to walk away with some things that'll help you move toward your dream. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at and more. Dan, I'm 33. I'm burned out. I know my job is not right for me. Every day it destroys me more. I don't know my purpose or even what I'm passionate about. I just want to give up. Wow, 33 years old. We got to work on that. Dan, how can I connect with other nonprofit organizations that can support me? Is there a way to present health problems as an asset to a company? Can pure 
spiritual motives compensate for poor quality work. Wow. Wowza. Wowza. We got a lot to cover. We'll not do some of those questions justice in the time we have allotted, but we're going to dig in, got some good news as always. Here's our quotation for today. Now, this comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Isn't that great? I love that approach to take pride in whatever work that is that we do if we, in fact, choose to do that. So my question then is, are you ashamed of the job you have? If so, what are the reasons you stay? Now, let me talk about our business partners, and then we're going to jump right into some good news and kind of unpack this idea about being ashamed in a job because we got a, a pretty popular incident that happened just this last week that kind of shed light on that. Fresh books. You hear me talk about them. You hear me talk about my not being thrilled about having to keep up with the financial details of my business. And yet I know that's a necessary component. Now, here's the deal. I don't divert a lot of my attention to doing that. I don't spend hours and hours trying to become really good at managing the financial details. No, I put things in place that make it really, really easy. I've got systems in place that allow me to keep track on an ongoing basis. And then one day a month, one morning a month, my bookkeeper, a real life person comes in, sits down. She knows me well. She's been doing this for 15 years. She knows how I keep records and I pull things together to make it pretty easy for her. She takes it all and makes it just beautifully sing, comes back to me in my balance sheets, profit and loss statements, the kind of things that keep me on track with my taxes and I can take to my accountant. A part of that equation is fresh books. Don't beat yourself up. Don't make it complicated. Do yourself a favor. You know, stop digging through receipts six months after the fact, trying to remember what it was. I mean, you could completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork just check out FreshBooks, cloud accounting software. You're going to thank me for it as a whole lot of people have. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes. So check this out. I mean, go to FreshBooks. I mean, they have a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the 48 Days listeners. To claim it, just go to FreshBooks.com slash 48 Days and then enter 48 Days in the how did you hear about a section. So again, freshbooks.com slash 48 days and are 48 days in the how did you hear about a section. Now this is a related company that ties right in. Gusto. This is a system for you to handle payroll entries and it syncs with FreshBooks. They're kissing cousins. I mean, I know payroll and benefits can be difficult, Man, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I have a lot of independent contractors. Personally, I don't have employees. But if you have employees, if, if you have people who come to your place of business, they have to come there to do the work. They use your equipment. 
They're employees. They're not independent contractors. Don't make that mistake. So a lot of you do have employees, but you don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. I mean, golly, and a lot of the old school payroll providers really aren't built for the way that we work today. So Gusto is making payroll benefits and human resources easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, you just check it out. I mean, you can do a Google search and see what people think of Gusto. Small business magazines have called them the best payroll system for small businesses. Now, most small businesses don't have an HR expert. Obviously, it doesn't make sense when you've only got 5 to 10, 15 employees. But you don't need one when you use Gusto. With great software, great service, you can focus on your business, not payroll and paperwork. So you no longer have to have a big company to get the great technology, great benefits, great service for your team. So check this out. I mean, Gusto, like FreshBooks, is offering to our 48 Days listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash 48 days. So again, if any of that resonates with you, go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Now we've got some good news. Lots of good news here. Here's a note that was sent to us. And this is where I want to kind of jump into this. You know, why are you working a regular job when you're so talented? Had a listener, Tim Bayless. Thanks, Tim, for sending me the note. This is a, a piece in the news that's been going around. Um, a lot, and it has to do with, um, oh my gosh, I didn't pull this up. You know, let me pull up the actual piece here where we talk about, this was an actor, a gentleman who was on the Cosby show. Okay, so this guy played the son-in-law of the Huxtables. Uh, Jeffrey Owens was his name. So, that was back then. I mean, that was a long time ago. So he was a famous actor. He was, you know, always had a smart mouth and embarrassed himself. I mean, really great character in the Cosby show years and years ago. Well, somebody took pictures of him working as a cashier at Trader Joe's. And that really went viral. And the question was, it it was an example of job shaming. It's like, why would somebody who's a celebrity like that be working a job just as a lowly cashier at Trader Joe's? Well, he did an interview on that. You can check it out. He did an interview with, um, uh, Robin Roberts on ABC news. He's been working for 15 months at Trader Joe's. So this was not just some little fluke where he just showed up for a weekend. no, He wanted a job with flexibility. They are kind enough to do that, to allow him to leave for auditions when he has it. But here's the deal. He says that he hasn't had any job that lasted more than 10 weeks in 26 years. I mean, that's the life of an actor. Now, he's had some decent parts and he continues to have decent parts, but he wanted something that had more consistency for his family at this season of his life. And so he's working at Trader Joe's. I think that's awesome. And and the interview really is well done. And it's turned out that there's a lot of support. Now, there's also a lot of kind of finger pointing, you know, I mean, why is that? Why would somebody think that this is something to be embarrassed about? 
to have a real job. A couple years ago, I was at Home Depot, where I happened to be frequently, and rounded the corner, and I ran into somebody that I know well, and he had an orange apron. Now, this guy is a really well-known name in Christian music. And I said, what? I thought he was pulling a joke on me. I really did. I thought he was pulling a joke on me. I said, what the heck are you doing? You're screwing around pretending you're working here. He said, no, I work here. I said, really? He said, yeah, there'd been a real lull in his work, the engagements that he had. And again, with a bunch of kids, he thought he needed to do something. I said, man, that is awesome. I really commend you on doing that. That's a smart thing to do. Exactly what I would have told you to do had we been talking. I commended him on doing that. Now, I've recommended that to a lot of people. I had, again, another well-known writer, music writer, who for the last eight years has not generated a penny of income. Now, this is one of the situations that was beyond ridiculous because his wife was working and regretting it because 100% of their income was dependent on her. Oh, no, but he's a musician. He's working. Every morning he gets up and he scans the internet for things and then he gets together with his friends and he plays a little music. And get this, he was getting a manicure every single week. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You're getting, you're taking your wife's hard-earned money and getting them, well, I'm a musician. I got to make sure that my hands are in shape. I said, look, Eight years with no income, you don't have a job, you don't have a business, you don't have a career, you don't have anything but a hobby, dude. You, you need to do something to show your responsibility before your wife kicks you out of the house. I recommended to him that he go to work at Home Depot. He did, very begrudgingly, but he actually did go to work at Home Depot, put on his orange apron, and it broke that cycle of doing nothing, get a paycheck. You'd be amazed what it can do for your self-esteem if you have been getting nothing. So there's a lot of times where it makes sense. Now, and I tell people that all the time. I mean, people who have had illustrious careers, they're stuck, nothing's working. Hey, go get a job. Go get a $15 an hour job. At least it'll give you the sense, the satisfaction of doing something to be providing so you aren't just sitting, doing nothing. I mean, $15 an hour, what is that? Geez, that's 600 bucks a week. I mean, that's not chump change. I mean, do that instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting. So I'm thrilled that um, Jeffrey Owens took the step that he did. Yeah, he was a star on Cosby 26 years ago. So now he's working at, Trader Joe's. Well, there's more to the story. Obviously, there's there's some things that happened. This, this got so much attention. And uh, Tyler Perry contacted him and said, hey, I've got a job I want you to do. So he he's moved on to some other things. And maybe this this is probably the best thing that's happened in his career in 26 years is the publicity that this video got of him working as a cashier at Trader Joe's. So it launched him back into the limelight, perhaps a little bit. You know, I want to. I want to read you. I, I read as our quotation a quotation from Dr. Martin Luther King about being a street sweeper and holding your head high and doing that. There's another one that comes from Martin Luther. Now, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the theologian. 
here's something he said about this, about the sanctity of work and the division of work that we sometimes artificially give to it. He says, therefore I advise no one to enter any religious order or the priesthood. Indeed, I advise everyone against it unless he is forearmed with this knowledge and understands that the work of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household task, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. He wanted to make sure that we honored people who are doing tasks that may not make them famous, may not make them $100,000 a year, but do it with honor. Hold your head high and do the job well. I talked recently about TJ, a young guy that we ran into late one night a couple weeks ago at Waffle House. He was so impressive in the way that he greeted us at the door, showed us to a seat, made sure everything was clean and spick and span for us. And then we asked to have him as our server, even though it was not in his area. Well, he's found that he has some new opportunities that have appeared as well. Recently, I know one of the managers there, and there's some pretty cool things that are happening as a result of him just doing his work really well, being a server at Waffle House. And no matter what it is you're doing, do it with excellence. You'll be surprised the new opportunities that start opening up. Well, a couple other things here, and we'll move into the questions for today. Here's one. Yale is letting anyone take its most popular class ever for free. Now, Yale's been teaching classes for 316 years, but they've never had one of their courses be as popular as their course on happiness. Almost almost 25% of the student body signed up for Psychology 157. It's titled Psychology and the Good Life. That's about a thousand students who all expressed interest in learning about mental health and well-being. So the course is so popular, they decided to start teaching the class online for free. It's called The Science of Well-Being. It's a six-week class, and you can sign up for it and take the class from Yale University, taught by Professor Lori Santos, absolutely free. Now, I'll put a link to that. I mean, you can research it if you want to. You can find the class on happiness at Yale that's free. I'm sure you'll find it. But I'll put a link to it in our show notes on no affiliate program or anything. I'll just give you the link so you can go there if you want to do that as opposed to finding it. But that's a pretty cool thing. Class on happiness. They put it up and you can take a class. You know, it's amazing the classes you can take out there from major universities, Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, Brown, all those great universities, and certainly all the the state schools that you hear about, they have a lot of classes that are up there. You just put in your time, take it. Now, you aren't going to get a grade from Yale. If you want to do that, you do need to pay for the course, but you can access all the videos, all the training, absolutely free. All right, let's jump into some questions here. We get some doozies today. Uh, Kenneth says, I'm 33. I'm burned out. I know my job is not right for me every day. It destroys me more. I don't know my purpose or even what I'm passionate about. I just want to give up. I'm currently an electrician apprentice and my company has no nowhere up for me to go. So there's no development beyond an installer. I have a bachelor's degree in business management. It seems to be more of a burden. Now listen to this. This is really a interesting sentence. It's not good enough for this company and it overqualifies me for others. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do anymore. I have to provide for my wife and children. Let's see. He gives the children's names. One, two, three children, 14, 11, and seven. My family's everything to me. 
Yet they get the leftover rest of me after I torture through another day at a dead-end job. Please help. Wow. Man, I want to come I want to come have evening dinner with you, Kenneth, and your family. My goodness, I'd love just to sit down with you. But there's hope. Trust me. You're not at the, you're not at the end of your rope. You don't need to give up at 33. What you're describing is simply the motivation to take a fresh look at who are you? Where are you going? What do you want to accomplish in life? What are those skills and abilities that you have refined? And certainly they go beyond just being an electrician apprentice. But what are the skills and abilities that you have? What are your personality tendencies? How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments are you most comfortable in? How do you manage? How do you persuade? And then what are those recurring dreams, passions that you have? Those ought to give you some patterns that develop. And as you see those patterns overlapping, it ought to give you a clear sense of what is the work that you could do that would bring those together. Now, when you describe being an electrician apprentice, now, I'm not sure how you got there from having a BS in business management. So, I mean, maybe you can just update your resume, go back in and do a great job search. I'd be delighted to give you a brand new copy, hardback copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love to help you through that. I'll check with you to see if you have that. But you might just want to go back and do a new job search. With the work environment like it is right now, I mean, employment has has never been, as long as we've been tracking it, has never been this low. I mean, it's amazingly low. It's unhealthy how low it is, and companies are desperate for people to bring on board. Now, I've had two examples just in the last two weeks of people who are highly talented, highly accredited in terms of credentials that they have, and they had been working as entrepreneurs and decided they didn't want to continue as entrepreneurs. Both of them described the fact they didn't, they, they loved what they were doing as entrepreneurs, but they didn't love the business of being an entrepreneur, meaning they didn't know they were going to have to spend 70% of their time marketing their business out here, talking to people to get new business that they didn't enjoy. They enjoyed the 30% which was simply doing the work. Both of them decided to get back in the job arena after two and three years of being entrepreneurs. And both were offered positions instantly, instantly, multiple job offers, because there are companies that are so eager to bring on competent people. So if you have to do a job search, my goodness, do that. But there's certainly no reason for you to stay in a job that's destroying you, that makes you feel like it's sucking the life out of you, like it's torture, the things that you're describing here. Give yourself 30 days to be in a new position. All right, this comes from Lois. Who says, um, now, this, is, this is short and sweet, and I'm, I'm not going to go into much detail on this. She said, I'm based in Glasgow, England. Started an NGO in Nigeria a few years ago. And if you're not familiar with the term NGO, it's a non-government organization. Well, the nonprofits are considered NGOs. The NGO is assisting the underprivileged kids in Africa. She gives the name. So she has a Facebook page with about a thousand likes. My question is, how can I connect with other organizations that can support me? Here's my advice. If you want to help the underprivileged kids in Africa, 
You're living in England. If you really want to help the underprivileged kids in Africa, go there. I mean, just go there. I mean, it's not that complicated. Just go there. Live with them. And while you're on the ground, you're going to see 300 NGOs that already have a presence wherever you want to be in Nigeria. They already have a presence. Help them. I mean, this blows my mind. You know, we, we so quickly want to start a new organization to help the poor and needy people. Get on board with somebody who's already on the ground in that arena, in that area, and help them. I mean, we have millions of NGOs and nonprofit organizations that don't need to be in existence. If people would work together, help those that are already on the ground. I mean, if it's an NGO, I mean, you're not looking to gain profit personally. So just help somebody who's already doing it, who already has made the contacts. What we do is form a new organization, and then 95% of our efforts are in making the organization work, and only 5% of the time is available to actually help the people we want to help. Why don't you switch that? Link arms with somebody who already has gone through all the logistics of having an organization. So you can spend 95% of your time working with the kids, the underprivileged kids in Africa. Well, that's probably not the answer you wanted to hear, but uh, I've been down that road. Um, My son lived in Africa for 10 years. We've seen the inside of a lot of the fruitless efforts of people who want to help save the world but they do things that really don't make sense in terms of actually helping the people they say they want to help. All right. Ellen says, dear Dan, is there a way to present health problems as an asset to a company when it means you need unscheduled days off all in God's timing, not one's own, not never knowing when it will happen, but it happens 20 ish times a year. Thank you. So is there a way to present health problems as an asset to a company? I don't know of any. Can't think of any way that would be attractive to a company. Now, here's what would be attractive. If you have clear skills that allow you to perform with excellence six hours a day or three days a week, I don't care what it is, but identify what it is that you do with excellence so that you bring value to a company. I mean, a lot of companies really don't care how much time you spend on it. I mean, I have people, lots of people, who do work for me. I don't know if they spend 10 hours doing that or 100 hours. All I know is that they deliver with excellence, and I compensate them based on what they deliver. A lot of them are set up on a percentage of revenue that they help generate. And they get a percentage of that. I mean, offer that to a company where you'll do the work, the work that you do so well, but you cannot offer yourself to a company and you lead with the fact that you have health problems that prevent you from working. No, I mean, the the company is not going to feel sorry for you, feel that you're a worthy charitable cause, Companies want to get things accomplished. So just simply reverse that. You can work a limited amount of time. Plenty of people do that. You can get out there on WeWork, offer your services. 
You can be a designer at 99designs. I mean, there's so many things that you can do once you know your clear area of expertise where you can offer the work that you do and nobody's going to be asking you to punch a time clock. Nobody's going to be concerned about when you work. If you're not feeling great this morning, that's okay. Rest, do the work, deliver, get paid. Everybody's happy. So just don't try to force your challenges into a traditional eight to five work model. So... Hey, that's kind of a lengthy answer to that. I hope that's helpful for you. Hey, well, I'm thinking about here and we're just moving into some more questions here. Let me bring that up. Not the end of our show today by any means, but that music means I want to remind you, these are real life questions. Y'all, I'm honored to sit in this seat and kind of help us all unpack these. I mean, I want to present these in ways that help us all think about it. I mean, if you're in a job that you don't really enjoy, Is it meeting a reasonable need in your family? Are there reasons where you can hold your head high and do that, even if it's not your dream job? I mean, we all go through those kind of transitional times where it may not be your dream job, but if it works as a a reasonable vehicle to keep you moving toward your ultimate dream, my goodness, that has a lot of value. You can do that all day long. So if you've got a question, if you got a success story, something you want me to see, the easiest thing to do is just shoot that in to askdan at 48days.com. And that's my personal email for the questions that you hear here in the 48 Days podcast, askdan at 48days.com. Yes, I'll sort out your questions from the overwhelming number of promotions that I get for new books and people to have as guests on here. Well, I won't comment on that anymore because you hear me uh, moan about that frequently. But I mean, it it really, it's at the point where I mentioned last week, perhaps it's time to change my email address. So those of you who are listening and understand what we really do here, have that direct access to me, but not the thousands of people out there that seem to be promoting other people and looking for opportunities to borrow our audience. Well, that being said, All right, Chad says, I just finished your amazing 48 Days to the Working Love book. Helped inspire me in many different ways. My wife and I have struggled financially for our entire marriage. However, we're now on a plan to break free based on the teachings of Dave Ramsey, Larry Burkett, and others. I've really enjoyed putting a plan together for us, and we're finally watching our debts fall off one after another. I've also gained a lot of wisdom in our search for a plan that worked for us. In 2016, so two years ago, I started looking into ways to legitimately work from home. I discovered the world of blogging and affiliate marketing. I learned how to build websites and was introduced to a new passion in my life, creative writing. I started a blog on helping people overcome debt. One interesting thing my mom said to me after reading some of the articles was, you lay it out for everyone, step by step. Why aren't you charging for this? Well, that really stuck with me. I've talked with Dave Ramsey team about becoming a certified financial coach. I've spoken with Kerry Oberbrunner as well. He advised me to work toward getting a book done and publish before publishing a blog because it's far more lucrative. I guess what I'd really like to do is find a way to combine it all together. I have a new blog ready to go with a blank canvas about simple living from a Christian perspective. It could could include debt coaching, work from home coaching, as well as devotionals, to wake up to new possibilities, but there's a part of me that struggles because I still need to provide for my family as well. I'm not looking for immediate overnight success or any get-rich-quick methods. 
I'm still working at J-O-B and have no issues doing that while I'm building my dream. But I'm asking myself, could this really even be a business? So with that all said, what do you think? Am I completely out of my mind with that idea? Should I just stick to becoming a financial coach? I guess my dream would be to write, coach, be a public speaker, and help people in a variety of ways, not just getting out of debt. Thanks for taking the time to listen to my ramble. May God continue to bless you in all the work that you do. All right, so here's the deal, Chad. Yes, big, overwhelming yes. However, there's some caveats in this. Now, you, you say you've struggled financially. You really want to help other people that are struggling financially. That's a worthy thing to do. However, be careful right there. In your desire to help people that are struggling financially, how able are they to pay for your competent coaching? I mean, paying you $30 to sit down with them for a couple hours may be a stretch. It's not going to turn into a reasonable income in doing just that. So the other things that you mentioned, yes, let's ramp that up a little bit. Let's look at things you could do in addition to just coaching people who are struggling financially. So could you do a course, a book, a seminar, a blog, an ebook, a book? Yeah. Now, even there, you know, Carrie, my good friend, Carrie, I'm going to, um, Talked with Kerry this afternoon, as a matter of fact. We're really uh, jazzed about his upcoming seminar, Igniting Souls. It's going to be happening in October up in Columbus, Ohio. Joanna and I will both be there. We're going to be doing um, multiple sessions. I'm going to be speaking about the power of investing in yourself. I'm not selfish. I'm just smart is the title of that. But then we're also going to be doing a couple sessions on entrepreneurial marriages, which is a real sweet spot for Joanna and me. Having been married more than 50 years now, we love talking with entrepreneurial couples on the uh, opportunities that come along with that. Obviously, there are usually some challenges as well, but the opportunities come along with that. However, Carrie telling you to write a book, I already sent you, Chad, a graphic that I use, a Venn diagram that shows how I view my books. So it's three circles that overlap and in the center is book. I've got a book there. And you see from that, I have attached to that financial projections of zero because I don't count in my projections anything having to do with advances or royalties from my books as part of my financial projections. It's so limited. It tends to be so small and so unpredictable and uncontrolled. However, the message of my book makes me a whole lot of money. When you look at 48 Days to the Work You Love being a core message and, you know, one of the books that people are familiar with, I mean, my royalties from that, I mean, is chicken feed. It wouldn't support a, a, a family of chickens. But have I done okay with the message of that? Yes. Does that lead to speaking opportunities? You better believe it. Does that lead to product sales of other products? Yes, significantly. Has that led to live events that people want to come to here at the sanctuary? Yes. Has that led to coaching opportunities? Yes. Has that opened the door to affiliate commissions? Yes. Has that opened the door to membership sites? Yes, yes, yes. See the, the core message is what allows people to know what I care about. 
and how I could possibly help and assist them. And then they're attracted to things in my business where I really do make money, not from the book itself. In the same way, your desire to help people who are struggling by coaching them, yeah, that's a legitimate part of what you do. It's I, I would liken that to people who contact me because they would like for us to help them in helping people who are getting off welfare and into work. Do we want to help those people? Absolutely. Am I going to spend 100% of my time there? No, there's no financial model. There's no economic model. We want to give resources to those people, which is a drain on our resources. I mean, I, I mean I'm happy to do that, but the only reason we're able to do that and be happy about it is because there are other parts of our business that are very profitable. So structure what you want to do that goes beyond your desire to help people who are struggling. There may be ways you can help people who have discretionary income where they're in great shape financially and yet you can help them and they're willing to pay well for help that allows them to do even better. You could create products. You may want to have a live event and the model that I showed you and there are real figures in there. And I do this in an actual presentation. One of the presentations that um, and I'm booked to do an author's event in I think that's in October as well, where I'll be speaking to authors and they want me to do this presentation and the figures that I put into this Venn diagram total over a million dollars a year for an author who makes zero on the book that they wrote. I love doing that. And these are very, very realistic way to look at this. It's not just smoke and mirrors. Believe me, it's a real opportunity to leverage your message and you can do that. Well, I hope that's helpful. I mean, that, there's so many people that get stuck in these ways. I mean, just like a little bit ago, somebody wants to you know, start yet another NGO or 5013C, you know, a nonprofit to help people. Well, that's a worthy desire. How are you going to make that work? Figure out how to make it work economically. We've got that three-legged stool that I talk about so much. Passion, talent, and money. Without one of those legs, the stool is going to fall over every single time. And usually the leg that's missing for people is money. Yes, they're passionate about what they want to do. Yes, they're talented in that, but they haven't figured out an economic model. And please don't think just because it's something humanitarian or godly that you can ignore that part of the equation. No, you have to be intentional about it. You have to put a plan together that makes sense. So do that. Well, let me grab one. I may, I may just end with this one. Kent says, recently, th this is one of those that's kind of painful. And some of you all really identify with this. Recently, an itinerant Christian filmmaker visited my congregation. I went to a showing of one of his Christian films. Needless to say, I was truly disappointed. The idea is good. The rest, blah. The film was dull, amateurish, a boring mess. We all had to slog through. Before the presentation, he told us he had been a computer guy. Red flag. He shared with us his films weren't making any money. He didn't know why. I know why. I was in TV for 20 years, 27 years. It's called Poor Quality and Presumption. Ouch. He finances these movies with his retirement money thinking the Holy Spirit speaks through my fingers under the pages. 
I guess it's throwaway money now. What he has is an expensive hobby. Sad. My prayer for him was from Exodus 31 about Bezalel. Like Bezalel, he needs to learn his craft and surround himself with such. Now, in the Old Testament there, it talks about people who were amazing woodworkers, jewelers, craftsmen of every kind, construction people who built the temple. Those were honorable vocations and callings, and people were expected to do it with class and with quality. Now, what Kent is sharing here, and what we are made so painfully aware of, is how often people expect that with pure spiritual motives, it compensates for poor quality work. Now, I just had a gentleman come out here who's a plumber. There was an issue in our guest bathroom, and we were going to be having guests in and join wanted me to get it taken care of. And I called a guy that I've used before. Now, I don't know exactly how you feel about this, but I did not ask him where he goes to church, what his doctrinal beliefs are, or even if he's a Christian. What I do know from past experience that he's a very experienced, competent plumber. I want a good plumber for that job. And quite frankly, I take that approach with pretty much everything that I look to have done. The mechanics of my cars, do I want to go to somebody who's mediocre? You know, we know he's not really very good, but oh, he's such a wonderful Christian. And he shares, you know, shares about his faith with everybody. Am I really going to go to him when I know that I can take it to Worcester's right here in town? And believe me, I'm certainly not implying that they are not godly people. Not at all. But I, I use that name because I know the quality of their work. I've never questioned them on their theological beliefs. I know the quality of their work. I mean, our work is our best opportunity to live out our calling. I mean, that it is. I mean, I believe that our work ought to be a reflection of what we think God has called us to do. But there's a secondary part to that. Just because we think God has called us to do it is no excuse for poor quality service or work. I cringe sometimes when I drive past businesses and they've got the sign of the fish up there. Well, that's cool. What, what does that mean? If I'm, well, I, does, does that open the door to have people trust you unrealistically? Well, unfortunately we've seen that happen too many times where that in fact is true and people then feel like they're taken advantage of. I mean, I've talked to lots of people who assure me they will never do business with anyone from their church again because they did and felt like they were taken advantage of and didn't get good service. I mean, don't be that person. Your work is your calling. Yes, it is an opportunity to live out what God has gifted you to do 
But then it's our responsibility to do it with such excellence that the world stands back in awe, not because of our faith, but because of the quality of the work that we're delivering. I mean, we should get a sense of peace, accomplishment, and joy. Our work is is really our greatest opportunity for true ministry. I mean, not everybody is going to start a 501c3, you know, a nonprofit organization. Not everybody's going to be a pastor, teacher, evangelist, missionary. You know, thank goodness. We don't want everybody. We want people to be carpenters and electricians and plumbers and farmers and landscapers and brain surgeons and attorneys and accountants. But in doing those things, you have your truest opportunity for ministry. I mean, if somebody's doing my bookkeeping on a Thursday morning, that speaks to me about what that person believes in and the quality, the character, the integrity of that person. That gives me a much stronger message than what I'm going to get from looking at the back of her head for 53 minutes on a Sunday morning. That doesn't tell me much, but the quality of her work does tell me a lot. I mean, we should accept the challenge to use our strongest skills and talents in our daily work. We'll experience that sweet spot that I talk about where we blend passion, talent, and money. When we really are doing amazing work, I mean, the financial rewards are going to show up in ways that that are unexpected. You know, this is obviously one of those things I care about a lot. Back in 1942, Dorothy Sayers, who wrote a lot about work in in an essay titled why work she wrote this and i love this piece i've come back to this again and again and again so this is a quotation i'll tell you when i'm finished from dorothy sayers how can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have no concern with nine tenths of his life the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisurely hours and to come to church on sundays What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. End of quotation. We need to be telling people who are kindred spirits, people who share your faith, do great work, make good tables. That's what we want you to do. Make great tables. Be a great plumber. Do the work that I want to have done around my house here in a way that just makes me stand back in awe. That's what we want to see. That's the opportunity that you have. But don't think that just pure spiritual motives are going to somehow compensate for poor quality work. That's not what you want. Don't do that. Well, we can go back to the back to the top where we were talking about. Wow. Why are you working in the job? Are you ashamed of the job that you're doing now? Are you ashamed of the work that you're doing now? I mean, it doesn't have to be in a job. You can be self-employed. You can be a coach. You can be an entrepreneur. You can have your own business. Are you ashamed of parts of what you're doing? I hope not. If you think that it's somehow below your talent grade, well, do something to address that. But if it's getting you through a temporary time and allowing you to be remain a responsible provider for your family or add to family income, 
Oh, there's no shame in that. I don't care what the job is. Hold your head high and do it with excellence. I'm going to be looking for you the next time I go to Home Depot. Hey, I want you to walk around the end of the corner, surprise me in your orange apron. I'll give you a hug and congratulate you on doing something that's responsible. Well, hey, thanks for this time together. Keep those questions coming in. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Have a wonderful week. And just thanks for being part of this community of people where together we help each other. We lift each other's success. And we know that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. So many opportunities. None of us need to settle for less. Work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You can do it. 